Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey moms, it's another episode of the podcast, another episode of Mahogany Moms. So we are in the month of February and we are celebrating ourselves, loving on ourselves. And today's episode is all about hair. And so um, what we can do with our hair, how we should treat our hair, how our hair impacts our self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves. So dive on into the episode and take a listen. I learned some new things, so I hope you will too. If you want weekly encouragement, if you need weekly encouragement, text MOTIVATE to 1-833-638-5442. Let's get into the episode. Hey moms, it's another episode of the Mahogany Moms podcast, and today we're talking all about healthy hair. Today we have a special guest with us, Diamond. She is a cosmetologist and a podcast host. Welcome, Diamond, to the Mahogany Moms podcast. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. So tell us about who you are and what you do. Oh, it's a big question. (laughs) Name's Diamond. I'm a cosmetologist. I've worked in hair. I've worked in makeup. I've worked in body waxing. Right now, I'm working in lashes. So I've been just about around the whole track. I've been in this industry for... I think Facebook told me nine years. So (laughs) it's been a rewarding journey. Do you want me to share how I got into it? Sure. What inspired you to go into the cosmetology field? So what initially inspired me was before I started, I was actually into theater and acting and modeling. And my mom asked me, you know, what are you going to do whenever you're not making money? Because you can't always be on camera. And I was like, um, that's a good question. So I, I guess you say I always had a passion for like beauty and stuff because that was like all I knew. And then I have my godmom, she was also in this industry. And so transitioning from theater and all that into this industry was the only thing that made sense because for it, I was working with it behind the scenes and I guess learning their tricks and stuff from how they would apply makeup on my face or do my hair a certain way. So from there, I was like, you know what? I want to see what it's like to be behind the scenes. So went to cosmetology school and I thought I was going to go back into theater, but honestly, I enjoy it behind the scenes more. I get to do more and I get to know the people on like on a personal basis that I wouldn't be able to do with, I guess, being the one always on the camera on stage. So that's how I got started there. And then what really triggered the inspiration, though, was when my mom got diagnosed with cancer and going through the chemo treatments and stuff like that. You know, as a woman, you know, you lose confidence and helping build her back up and seeing that I was able to do that. You know, I felt like that was kind of my gift and my calling because I didn't know how I would make hair grow back after going through harsh treatment like that or how I could make someone feel better internally about themselves just from, you know, putting a little makeup on or doing hair here or 
like I said, even body waxing. So I guess being able to see the reaction from my mom and where she came from and and how she is today is what's been like my big motivation and inspiration to keep going. Wow, that's a lie. So it makes yeah. it makes sense that you were on camera and then you transitioned into doing, you know, hair and makeup. Would you say that it was a hard transition? Not really. I, I guess it just depends on how outgoing you are. For me, I guess sometimes I can talk a lot. So I'm always asking questions and like, oh, well, can I use this outside of here? And, you know, how I always ask like, you know, people in other industries, like, you know, how do you like working in this industry and stuff like that? So it wasn't too hard. It was just, you know, I guess even now from a perspective, like when I do work on a set or something like that, I do sometimes, you know, go through that reminiscing stage where I'm like, oh, I remember that used to be me, but I still like you back here anyway, so I'm all good. (laughs) Okay, so I want to ask you a question because you talked about really your big inspiration or motivation was with your mom. And so mm-hmm. hair is a big deal. It's, it's a really big deal in our community. Why do you think it's so important? I want to say it's because that's what we grew up with. <laughs> and it's how I want to say it's how we were raised. You know, we were raised to love our hair and on social media and TV or back then the media TV period, you know, all we saw was, you know, different hairstyles and I guess the way women portray themselves on TV was like if you have long beautiful hair you know you need to love it and you can do these things with your hair I guess that's why but then I feel like it might have changed because now we have the hair movement where people are cutting it all off and going bold so I would like to think that the media plays a lot of it a lot into it. Do you think the effects of the media in our community is different in other communities? Because for, you know, um, women of color, African-American women specifically, hair is like such a huge deal. We have the Crown Act. We've had to do so many things to put in place to free us to be able to wear our hair the way that we want to. So do you think that the media has the same impact on other communities or it's just ours? I think it's different. I guess because we all have different hair textures and our hair can't be compared to a white woman's hair. So the way I feel like the way I feel like we as black women and expressing our hair needs, the media does it differently. And it's kind of sad how the media does it because they don't do it for all types of curl types but they do it for the good hair types and I feel like they should do it for all hair types including the four C's and type four hair because honestly for me doing hair and dealing with natural hair and dealing with my own hair type four hair I think is more popular than three C hair and and I guess yeah three three type three hair versus the Caucasian community the I'm so sorry for the noise in the background Caucasians women's hair is I feel like when they market their their hair it's in one type of style versus ours is in many types of styles and I feel like personally that you know we should probably embrace our hair more than what we are because we can hold styles better 
we can do a lot more with our hair. And that might be why in the career field, when it comes to like working for a corporation, it might be hard for them to accept, you know, that we can do more with our hair and we express it through our do that. And that's how we express our culture too. Very true. So I want to go back to something that you said about your mom and trying to figure out if you could have her hair grow back after having, you know, gone through chemotherapy and things like that. What did you learn during that process of kind of helping her to, you know, gain confidence, regain confidence? What did you learn about the impact that hair or I guess our external selves has on our internal selves? I would say we express ourselves a little bit through our hair as women. Without it, I think it wouldn't be hard for us to not express ourselves. It would just take a lot more work, especially if you're used to having hair on your head. Mm. But I think it would start with acceptance first. And I think when I was in that stage and period with my mom, the biggest thing was acceptance. And, you know, she did have to basically start over. We And I was the one who cut her hair off. We had to start over. And she cried, not because of what she was going through, but I think it was more so because it was time for her to accept, you know, this is, this is for better, for the better. And it's what is what needs to be done in order to go forward. And it kind of kind of plays a part in real life. Like, you know, you have to let go of old situations to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I think she kind of took it as that and made it into like a new beginning because when we were done, she, she was happy. And I was like, are you okay? Cause you just went from sad to happy real quick. <laughs> so I think acceptance is the biggest thing. And I think that's so interesting that you mentioned that because oftentimes what I've noticed is that when women go through different transitions, they'll change up their hair. So I've done that myself. Like, you know, after I had my first child, well, you have postpartum shedding and all that kind of stuff, but my hair had gotten really long, but it just, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't doing anything and I needed something different. So after probably, I don't know, like six months after I had my son, I cut my hair. And so right. I noticed that a lot of women, as they transition, you know, from, you know, from either birth, new relationships, they do things differently with their hair. And so I thought about that when you were talking about your mom and you said she went from sad to happy, like kind of seemed like all in the same moment, but yeah. you also talked about like leaving something behind. And so, uh, just, and you also said that we express ourselves with our hair. And so that is true, right? Because when she was leaving from one stage to the other, just like I did when I was, you know, after dealing with the postpartum shedding and having my son, I went into a different hairstyle. So mm -hmm. I think that is so true that we express ourselves through our hair I really hadn't thought about it in those terms but I think that's so interesting I wanted to ask you on your journey of helping your mom to grow her hair back what does healthy hair look like what are some things that we should be doing to take care of our hair okay so well, first healthy hair what it, let's talk about the appearance of healthy hair <laughs> so healthy hair has like a natural shine I would like to say that you can never cut off all the dead ends on someone's hair it's impossible <laughs> even even if you do straighten it I mean all you can do is just transition slowly up until you know because hair is always going to continue to grow and once it comes out of your scalp it's dead anyway so healthy hair it's it has a, nat a natural shine 
it holds styles better. The styles come out more cleaner. So I guess when it comes to curls, since that's a popular thing with people, the curls last longer. You don't have any like knots at the ends of your hair. I know like for me, sometimes I can tell it's time for me to get a trim when I get like little knots at the ends of my natural hair. A trick here is when you comb your hair. So whenever you're combing your hair, if it's making, if the comb is making a lot of noise, like a lot of scrunchy noises, like you eating a bag of chips, it's time to get those in trim. But, <laughs> and healthy hair is also, yes. <laughs> And a lot of people don't know, they just think that because the comb's making that noise, it's because the hair is dry. And it's like, no, it, it just needs a little trim, a little TLC. <laughs> Even if your hair is more on the dry side, it's not going to be like brittle dry, if that makes sense. Okay, it does. So that's, that's for me, that's what the appearance of healthy hair looks like for me. And what was your second question? How do we achieve healthy hair? I guess that's the question. How do we achieve healthy okay. hair? So I'm going to go with the less expensive side. Yes. <laughs> you can't afford to go see a stylist every two weeks or at least once a month. What you can do at home is do protective styling. So like braids, crochet, what well, we all know about protective styles, but whatever you can to not manipulate the hair as much and keeping heat out of it. That's something you can do when it comes to like blow drying your hair. Cause some, I, I know I like to blow dry my hair because if I let it air dry, it's a mess. So whenever I blow dry my hair, I always use a, a, protect, a heat protectant on it. My go-to products are Design Essentials. That's all I use in my hair just because my hair seems to manage better with it. When you're blow drying, you want to add a heat protectant. If you have to have heat in your hair, you just can't resist it because you like to wear your hair straight always use a heat protectant. And what else? Uh, whenever you do your deep conditions, if you can't afford plastic caps or anything like that, you can tie a bag on your head, a grocery bag on your head and walk around the house all day. Just make sure you let all the air out so that the moisture that's coming in and how it, your hair is being heated is coming from your natural body heat and it's holding in all the heat to be able to deep condition your hair. And then if you are natural, the easiest way to deal with your hair, because I hear a lot of my hair is too much, it's not manageable. It actually is manageable, but the biggest thing that it needs is water. So combing it with water, detangling it with water or some kind of some kind of conditioner that helps and using a wide tooth comb and working in smaller sections. I know it's hard to work in smaller sections because it requires a lot more patience, but I have found that working in smaller sections, and you might even notice if you go to a hairstylist, working with a hairstylist, they work in smaller sections because it's easier and it's uh, more it's more caring on the hair. It's not harsh on the hair because when you're trying to do it all in one clump, it, it can be damaging. And that's when you start to experience um, breakage and things of that nature. And part two of this, if you have money to spend <laughs> on a hairstylist, what I would recommend doing is going to see them at least at least once a month or every two weeks, even if it's just to get a wash and a deep condition, steam treatments, that's very healthy for your hair. I'm trying to think of anything else. And getting your trims every six to eight weeks. And even though some stylists don't agree with protein treatments, 
if you do a lot of protective styles, protein treatments are really great for your hair. And I'm not talking about the ones that are homemade, but the ones that you have to go see a stylist for. Those protein treatments are very important in keeping your hair strong. And especially during this time period here with it being cold outside, it's when your hair is more prone to breakage because it's drier. So steam treatments and protein treatments. Okay, so you talked, um, you've mentioned protective styles a couple of times. Yeah. And I, I, I think protective styles are awesome, but I'm starting to see a lot of women having uh, alopecia from the protective styles. Is mm-hmm. there a way to avoid, an alopecia is where you start to lose hair or there's a balding, maybe you can tell us yeah. about alopecia, but is there a way to avoid that with protective styles? It is. So alopecia, it is it is balding. It can come from stress. It can come from putting too much tension on your hair in a certain area. Honestly, alopecia can come from just doing too much with your hair, period. The way to avoid it when you're protective styling, if you're talking mainly about edges, that happens because Okay, if you're wearing a wig, for instance, the wig has to come all the way up on your edges. So I always like to moisturize my edges every time before I wear a wig, even if it's every day. I don't care. Some kind of oil or something is going on edges because that to me that I feel like that's the more fragile part of your hair and because it's the shortest. So that's another reason why it seems to disappear quicker. You want to use a soft bristle brush when doing your edges. Some people like to use like hard bristle brushes because they feel like it lays it better. But truth is, is it doesn't. And you kind of have to treat it like baby hairs Mm. or adult hairs. (laughs) So you have to pay, you have to be really careful with the edges. Moisture is the biggest thing. And whenever you, if you wear like a lot of braids or extensions with braids and some people like their edges braided up, you just want to make sure you tell the person braiding it not to put too much tension on it, but still make it look, you know, like it was done. And another thing would be like, if you're tying your hair down at night, you want to use a silk scarf or a silk pillowcase to help with that. I know some bonnets, they come with like an elastic band and sometimes it's not silk, sometimes actually just cotton. So what I like to do is I have, I actually have an edge scarf um, that I found in the hair store and it's silk. So I, I wrap the scarf around first and then I put the bonnet on to protect the rest of my hair. Oh, okay. Now that sounds like it would be kind of hot. I can see the, the, the purpose of keeping your hair, but I'm like, "Mm, that might be, that might be hot for me. Um, But I didn't, I could see the value in doing that with your edges because so many of us have, you know, just, we struggle with the whole edges, especially if you're wearing a lot of protective styles. So you've talked about protective styles. And so I wanted to ask, so moms are busy. What are some quick, easy, cute styles that a busy mom can do, you know, before she heads out the door? My go-to I'm not a mom yet, but the the number one go-to is a bun. (laughs) A bun is the easiest thing. Don't forget about your donuts, the little ballerina donuts. Don't forget about those because those are still in and they're still super cute. Another one would be, of course, your wigs if you want to be more versatile. I know a girl personally, if she's using a human hair wig, she'll fix it up on her head at night and then take the scarf off and then go on about her day so that it's already set and everything and she doesn't have to do too much in the morning. 
as I stated, braids, you know, you can just get up and go. And also half up, half down looks are really good too. Um, another tip I would recommend is kind of on the sidebar would be actually doing your makeup to distract people from looking at your hair. That's yeah. <laughs> Put the distraction somewhere else so that no one's focusing on your hair. That's a really good one as well as hair accessories. I don't think we use hair accessories enough. There's been times where like I've woken up late and I knew I had to go and I was like, what do I got? I can throw on real quick and just make it look like I did something. Headbands are really good accessories. Like I said, you just want to make sure you either oil or grease. I know it's not the right word to use, but grease your edges before you put on that headband and scrunchies. I love scrunchies because you can just throw your hair up put the scrunchie on, go, and it's cute and it's messy at the same time. And it brings more attention to the scrunchie versus how your hair is actually looking. And hair clips are really good too, because you can, like I said, you still do the half up, half down and clip it. And pinning your hair up in different styles are really good too, especially if you're natural, you know, you can pin it on one side and twist outs. I can't forget about twist outs. Twist outs are really, really good, easy hairstyles. I mean, it's best to do them overnight and then, you know, get up in the morning, but you can pin those up any kinds of ways and make them look pretty as well. Okay. So moms, a diamond has given us lots of quick tips and things <laughs> you can do to your hair if you're in a rush. And these are some of the same things that you can do for your daughters if you're looking for quick and easy styles. Maybe mm-hmm. depending on how old your daughter is, maybe not a wig, but the bun yeah. thing is really easy and quick or braids. If I'm looking for a stylist, I've seen this quite a bit in some groups. If I'm looking for a stylist, what should I be looking for? I would say first, if you're looking for a stylist, if she does not mention a consultation, I would probably not go see her. You also, it's bad, but you want to look at the cleanliness of the studio. Make sure they are licensed (laughs) Um, because if they are not licensed, nine times out of 10, they are not going to meet your hair goal needs. Because some people, they know how to do hair, but they don't know how to take care of the hair. And you want to get you a stylist that can do hair and take care of your hair at the same time. That way you're getting your money's worth. And this is, I think this is one of the biggest things in our community as to why we don't go see hairstylists the way that we should is because we have ones that are good with just doing styling hair. And then we have ones that are good with taking care of hair. And you wanna get one that can do both. And in order to find that in a stylist, I always give, I know when I moved here to Georgia, I gave stylists a six month period with my hair. And if I didn't notice a difference in my hair, then I knew that they weren't the one for me. Like I said, you have to take your time with natural hair because it's fragile, it's curly, it can be dry in some places. You know, you just want to be careful and handle it with care. So you don't want someone that's always in a rush to do your hair. You want someone who's going to take their time. Not saying that, you know, you want to spend hours in the salon, but you want to have someone who can time efficient, take care of of your hair. You want to also have someone who is honest, about your hair and not trying to steal your money out your pocket (laughs) because there are a lot of stylists that are in it for the money and not in it for I guess meeting the goals of your hair and you want someone that you can talk to about your hair and be honest with them too so you want to make sure you're comfortable with them as well I will also say technical skills is important if they're giving you a trim you know 
if you want to know how much they're cutting off, you know, you can ask them and they should be able to know how to show you that. If they're cutting your hair, period, they should not be on the phone. That's just not good at all because that's how people get scissor happy. And you want to make sure that they're able to be able to adapt to trends if you're the type that likes to do different hairstyles. Like me, I know when I was a stylist, I was more for natural hair because I didn't know how to do sew-ins and stuff. So I would tell people that up front, like, hey, I can do your hair, but I do not know how to do sew-ins and I can do clip-ins, but that's about it. <laughs> and I think um, um, that is really key, honesty. Yeah. So years I've before I went natural, I had the same hairstylist, right? Because I didn't like changing up my hairstyle. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about going natural, she said, I don't do natural hair. So you'll have to start looking for another stylist. And I, I right. can appreciate her honesty because had, you know, had she said, okay, well, yeah, you can keep coming and we'll figure it out. Then what would have happened to my hair while we're trying to, while she's trying to figure out how to work with natural hair. So right. that honesty thing is key. Something else you said, you said, give your stylist a six month time frame, And so if, um, what should I be looking for? Because, you know, every woman, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but mm-hmm. every woman is not like a hair person. So it's hard to know, you know, you said, you know, look for changes with your hair or how your hair is doing. Well, what am I, what am I looking for? So before I started my hair journey, I didn't know anything about hair. So what I would look for, one of my biggest things was moisture. My hair is just resistant to moisture. So nothing changes overnight. And the reason I say a six month trial period is because that's how long it truly takes for hair to kind of get used to being done and things of that nature. So what you want to look for is kind of like a before and after. So if you know how your hair is or kind of examine how your hair is before, you can take a picture, you can jot notes down about your hair or voice record, whatever. Mainly what you want to do is the things you want to improve on about your hair, write those things down. When you go see your stylist, has any of those things been accomplished? Not so much as length, because length comes with a lot of time, but like moisture, if your hair tends to have brittle ends, has, has those ends changed? Another thing could be, oh, if you have like a bald spot or if your hair is breaking, has that hair grown back any at all? Like what's the progress on that? So you want to look for things like that. Even hair washes, like a lot of times, some stylists do not know how to wash hair. They're still gunking your hair and things of that nature. So you want to check your scalp to make sure, you know, your scalp is nice, clean and healthy. Uh, Ways to tell with that is, you know, if you experience dandruff, do you still have that same experience? Because dandruff comes for different reasons and in many forms. Another thing could be the color of your hair. If you're getting color, has the texture changed any like to a more healthier state, which deals with dryness or or is the color eating at your hair? So that's something too. Okay. So those are good things to to look out for if you're, you know, in a new place trying to find a stylist and knowing what to look for. I did want to ask you before we kind of wrap up, what do you think the impact that hair has on a woman's self-esteem? Oh, it's a big one. <laughs> I feel like once a woman reaches their breaking point and they cut their hair off, I always applaud them because 
I would, I, I can never see myself doing it. And it takes a lot of confidence to do something like that. I don't know if you've seen the movie Happily Ever After, mm-hmm. but I know when she did that, it wasn't just because of the film wanting her to do it, but she actually did it because she wanted to do it. And that was her being very vulnerable in the camera. It wasn't scripted or anything. So it has a big impact because it's the first thing people see when they look at us. A lot of times, you know, we look at men and we're like, you know, would you love me if I didn't have any hair? Or if my hair was this, would you still love me? Or would you be with me? Things of that nature. We go through a lot of thoughts as women dealing with hair. So it has a very big impact (laughs) And, and mainly around confidence and I guess the belief that we have in ourselves when it comes to it, because if we're having a bad day, if you notice, if we're having a bad hair day, we're having a bad day, period. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your so. hair definitely impacts your mood. Or it Yes. So uh, we talked about a lot of things. And I want to circle back to this because you, ta- you mentioned it, but on, in helping your mom with her, in her journey and in, in dealing with cancer, what were some things that you learned in the process in terms of just whether it was hair or whether it was just how she felt about herself or the effect that you had on helping her to, you know, do her hair, do her makeup. What were some, you know, some, some things that you took away from that experience? Well, one of the things I took away was that I I had to be patient with myself because I'm a perfectionist and, you know, my goal was I need to see results and I need to see them now. So being patient with myself (laughs) was one of them and believing in myself because starting out as a stylist, I was not expecting that she would be like my first project for Mm -hmm. hair. I always thought it would be someone just with damaged hair and I could fix it. So believing in myself was one of the ones that I took away. And I guess seeing the end result, knowing if I could help her, I told myself if I could help her, I could help millions. So whether it be giving encouraging advice or encouraging words, as long as I'm helping someone feel better at the end of the day about something, it made me happy. And and seeing her smile and be happy, whether it was after a conversation or whether it was a reflection conversation or you know, doing it through her hair or her makeup, it made me feel good because I felt like at the end of the day, that was my way of giving back. And not everyone can do that. So Mm. seeing that I have that gift and ability to do that, that was one of the things that I took away from it. That is awesome. So I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge. How can, if moms, you know, want more information or have questions, how can they find you? So you can find me mainly on Instagram at bonjour underscore beauty 2020. Find me on Instagram. You can email me at bonjourbeauty2020 at gmail.com. And so far, those are all my like reachable (laughs) (laughs) contacts. Awesome. So moms, Diamond says, if you have questions, you know, you can find her at the places that she listed on Instagram and or via email. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing your inspiration behind getting into it. And then just the tips that you gave moms, because I think they're, they're helpful, especially the one about the comb and the snapping, the noise. Yes. (laughs) Watch out for that. Because I'm telling you, your hair talks to you. 
You know what you said? That's a whole word. Your hair talks <laughs> to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.